Welcome back to Restless. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Father Joseph Gill, along with Lauren, Diane, and Joe, as together we young adults restlessly seek the face of Christ in the midst of today's mixed up and crazy world. Speaking of mixed up and crazy, it's difficult to discern God's will for your life, is it not? Yes. It can be. It can be, yeah. And sometimes you may have people in your life who are discerning. God's will, whether it's marriage, whether it's priesthood, or even just discerning, you know, just trying to make a choice in general. Does it drive you crazy when people are indecisive? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes that can be a real struggle. So today we're going to kind of talk about that. Like, how do we help people that are discerning? Or how do we date people that are discerning? Because when we... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a big party for our one-year anniversary of Restless. Woo! Woo, yeah. 50 episodes or so. And uh, we said, you know, what topics do you want to talk about? And that was a consistent theme. It was like, how do you date someone who is also dating Jesus? Oh, I didn't realize that this came from that. It did come from that, yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> First of all, has it happened to you? Well, in my own experience, um, yes, I was dating someone who was discerning. I didn't know that at the time. Um, so I found that out probably a couple of months into the relationship. And um, yeah, I just felt like I got punched in the gut, honestly, when I first heard that he was thinking about. Um, he had mentioned that, you know, the door was open a crack, you know, it wasn't open fully. To me, I just heard... Well, you know, like I have, n I can't compete with Jesus, you know, I, I can't. So I, I had, honestly, it, um, it totally changed the relationship for me in a way that I didn't even, wasn't able to express to him or tell him. Uh, it was something that I, I guess, internally had to, to deal with and affected the way that, um, yeah, just the whole relationship in general, because I felt like I, was walking on eggshells almost and that I just couldn't be myself, which is, I, there were other problems with that relationship, but um, it really was uh, like a, a burden that I had to carry by myself. And, and honestly, he didn't go to like kind of close this um, chapter of his life until like three months after he originally told me that he was like, you know, that the store was somewhat open. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was so hard for me and it was honestly devastating. I was, I was annoyed. I had all these emotions. I was very annoyed too, because I was like, why would you date while you're discerning like that? This is a possibility. Like it didn't make sense to me that you could do both. And so in a weird way, I felt like cheated on a little bit, you know, like I just, I can't even express, um, sort of like just what that did to me and my heart. Hmm. I was always taught in seminary that you're, discer you're discerning between marriage and priesthood, not discerning between this girl and priesthood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you're right. You need to make a decision as to whether or not you're called to marriage before you start pursuing what path you're going down. Yeah. Because, yeah, you can like hurt the heart. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was very difficult. And um, I think that it like, I mean... I don't know, maybe other people have different opinions, but for me, I just felt like I couldn't, it completely changed the way that I interacted with him and um, just like the internal sort of like anxieties that I had inside of myself uh, were really difficult to, to carry. And I, he didn't, he also didn't talk to me about sort of like 
any of this stuff that he was you know any of his thoughts for you know like why he was uh, or, or where he was at with that discernment all he told me was that the doors open just a crack you know so I was like well what does that mean um, and I didn't honestly at the time if I could redo it again I would ask him I didn't have the courage at the time to ask him so I had to uh, I was basically just um, you know going trying to figure things out in my head and probably coming up with like unrealistic scenarios and, and all of these things um, because he wasn't communicative about sort of where he was at in that journey. So I felt very alone um, because there was no sort of sharing. Yeah, sure. Now I'm guessing that you've, you haven't dated people that are like hardcore discerning <laughs> no. Lauren and Joe. No. No, I have not. So it might be a different experience. But so let me ask all of you a question. Have you ever discerned priesthood and or religious life? Yes. You can't nod. We're on a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There was a point in time when I did um, for about six months. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And... Um, like how serious did the discernment go? Did you, you know, take a look at a convent or... Didn't I went to some masses at a convent, um, but I didn't actually do like a what do the, what do they call them? Come like and come see. Come and see. Yeah, um, but very much so. Like I mean, I told my parents that you know, like I think I'm gonna, I think I'm called to be a sister and and all of these things. So I mean, it it definitely got serious, and I had I had this excitement. I definitely I wasn't dating at the time because I feel like hint, hint. you can't date while you're doing that. Um, yeah. The other thing too, just just go back to the dating thing. Like I have dated people who I think may be discerning and they don't necessarily know, but it's this like sort of uh, lack of commitment, I guess, you know, and that can be troublesome too when you're dating someone who like doesn't know themselves. Like, am mm. I called to the priesthood? Am I called to marriage? And so I think that that can cause like, I don't know, anxiety. Yeah. Later on in this episode, we'll discuss why young adults can't commit to most things in the world. And that's a struggle. That is a struggle. Lauren and Joe, have you guys ever discerned? Well, I would need a clarifier from you, which is what is the process of discernment? Like, what should that actually look like? Ooh, ooh, very good. I don't know. What do you guys think? You're the priest. You've done it. <laughs> the one who successfully done it is yourself. That's right. That's true. <laughs> well, maybe maybe to like sharpen the question, what is the difference between like sort of vaguely thinking maybe I'm called to this, that, or the other? And actually saying, like, I'm going to formally discern this vocation for this period of time. Like, what was the change in your mind when you stopped sort of thinking about the priesthood, but also thinking about marriage and actually decided I'm going to actively discern the priesthood? Well, I think it's, there's a good analogy with dating, because I guess there was a time in history well before we were ever alive that to date someone did not mean you're going steady. Like I've, I've talked with grandparents who say, yeah, you know, I would date Sally on Friday night and Susie on Saturday night. And like, that was not a big deal. That was just kind of what she did. It was just, I mean, they called it, I guess, dating, but for us, it would be like hanging out or just, you know, going on dates, going on dates. Yeah. But nothing like not committing, not committing. Yeah. But then you would transition from that stage to going steady. And that was like the big transition. It's like, okay, now I'm exclusively dating this person. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think. Yeah, it's, you know, when you're thinking about it, you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm thinking about the priesthood, I guess. Like, you know, I'm also thinking about marriage and thinking about this girl and whatever. And you kind of throw it all together. But then once you start getting exclusive, you're like, all right, I need to really start pursuing one of these two paths. You know, and so, so you're right. It's not right to go steady with a girl while discerning the priesthood. Because it really is like trying to go steady with two girls, and that's not good. But I think you can think about the priesthood while dating, as long as... 
you know, as long as long as you're not going steady with the girl, because the whole point of dating, right, is to discern what, whether or not this person's mm-hmm. the right match for for marriage. So then, could you also, while discerning the priesthood, go on a date or two with one or more people? And the story, in the way you sort of just suggested, in which you date people before you go steady with them. Yeah, yeah. As long as they understand, like where you're coming from. I think the other part to that is, you know, God is leading us, right? And so it's up to us to discern his will for our lives and to follow it. So if you are dating someone, that could be used to show you this is not my path, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I remember (laughs) the last girlfriend I had in high school, probably sophomore year. um, Her name was Sarah. And... uh, I remember talking to her one day and I was like, yeah, I just want you to know, like, I'm going to be a priest. She's like, oh, that's fine. We're having fun anyway. <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> she was really shallow. <laughs> no, I think that's cute because- So was I. I was, not, you know, 15 years old. Yeah, exactly. At that age, you know, and like, I don't know, not all dating relationships have to be so serious either. And I would say a majority of them probably should not be unless you are ready to get married, mm. which, you know, we're going to touch on this, I think. But for most people, it just keeps getting later and later and later, right? Yeah. That commitment issue. So many issues that people have. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. But I think uh, that's cute. I don't know. I think that's a cute comment and also uh, pretty profound and um, just awesome to hear. Like you knew at a young age you were going to be a priest. Well, that did help because, you know, when, when I, where I went to college in Steubenville, there were three times more girls than guys. And they were all very good looking and very holy. So many to choose from. There were many to choose from. Life. Was, yeah, when they're like, you know, there's more fish in the sea. I'm like, yeah, they're all right here. <laughs> this is great. So, but again, you know, I was seriously discerning at that point. So I was like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play the field while I'm seriously discerning. I got to discern one or the other. That's good for you. You're like really in temptation zone, and you, you avoided, <laughs> you avoided everything. That means you were really called. Yeah, I think so. Like, you're following God's will. Your vocation yeah. can survive that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. I don't know. So, what's your, been your experience, Lauren? Did you ever well think about being a sister? Or? Uh, I have more recently uh, through befriending Father Andy, who um, kind of. I mean, it was clear first that he wanted like our friend Gretchen to become a religious sister, and he would say it to her, and she would always be like, "I would, but I just can't give up my makeup." Because she's someone who like <laughs> always looks phenomenal. She's a, such a great dresser, and you know she's always made up. And I always thought that was so funny. But I don't know. That was um, her comment, and she just got married. So congrats to our friend. Oh, congratulations! And, um, her new husband. But um, yeah, so he was the one that first made me think like, oh, people like us could become religious sisters. I don't know who I thought religious sisters were, but just like all elderly and (laughs) hidden off in places that I have no idea where they live or what they do. Um, Religious sisters were scary to me. You know, I I didn't have any idea even who they were, but they were just scary. Um, And I said that to Father Andy one day and he looked at me like, what? You know, like, why are they scary to you? Um, And then he invited me to go down to LaGuardia to pick up uh, Sister Anna Marie McGuan, who was visiting from Knoxville, Tennessee. And so, you know, we, we got in the car and I remember looking at her as she was coming out of LaGuardia, like, wow, you just took a plane here in your habit, you know? Like, to me, that's so bold to mm. be like in the world and through the airport and in New York City and like you're just living your faith out to the fullest. Like that to me, it seemed very scary, you know? Um, and then she's just this light of a person, you know, so joyful and knowledgeable. And we just all had a great time. We ended up driving around, um, New York city a little bit. We went to the world trade center, 
like memorial and kind of walked around because she hadn't seen it and I hadn't either. Then we got lunch together. Then she came up to Stanford and gave a talk. And she has a great conversion story, which you can hear on her podcast, Scripture and the Spiritual Life. Um, but so, yeah, she was my first introduction. And then, yeah, I think it was in my mind, like, should I be considering this? You know, like it never fazed me ever. I mean, since I was in middle school, I knew, well, back then I wanted three children. Now I've like expanded it to four, but I know I should have one and see from there. And but see anyway, from there. Yeah, I, I have their names, you know, like I just always thought I would have a family and be a mother and I don't know. Hmm. So there's that. But it's like, is that God's will for me? I don't know. Do I want to follow God's will? Can I trust it? Right. There's like that doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a question for you that's that's somewhat related because, you know, obviously there you can be dating Jesus by discerning. You can be dating a person. But what if you're dating a person and you're trying to discern whether or not to marry them, but there's another person in your life that you're also trying to discern whether or not to marry? What do you do? How do you know God's will? I, I, the best advice I ever heard about along these lines came from um, a podcast I was listening to a while ago and the host got a question like this in the mailbag and he said, what's well, actually really, really simple. The question was like, I think I want to marry this girl, but I'm just not sure I can't commit. And he said, what's really, really simple. Picture your life without her for the rest of your life. And then if, picture your life with her. And if you can't think of a life without her, you need to marry her. Hmm. If you can't think of a life with her, you need to break up with her now and stop wasting your time and man up and move on because you, you need to make a decision. And I think that's probably a good way to think about it, though not that I've been in that situation and therefore can speak to it intelligently, but this, this, this seemed like sound advice when I heard it. Have you ladies ever had that experience of dating someone, but someone else comes into your life and like, and I should discern this person? I would say not, n- not really, not at the same time. However, I've been sort of through a breakup and then meeting someone sort of immediately after, you know, like a devastating breakup, like my life is not, I'm never going to be able to move on from this. You know, my life is over. And then two weeks later, you meet somebody who's like, you know, just even better than the person that you were just dating. So I would just say- Your like, opinion might be colored after the breakup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It may be a little vulnerable. But in general, um, I think one of the things that people sometimes maybe, and I, this might be controversial, I think people have different opinions about it, but I don't think that there's such a thing as a soulmate. So like when you're trying to figure out like, yeah, yeah and I think it's important to, to consider because some people get so caught up of like, oh my gosh, if I make, you know, I have to make a decision here and if I make the wrong decision like I may lose out on the one person that God has for me and sometimes like there are I I think there's probably a bunch of different people that you could get married to and be happily married to and that God gives you the grace to kind of like work through those relationships I mean obviously what Joe said is is really great about trying to picture your life you know without the person but just to know that like it's not like a life or death decision I, I think I, like yeah. I do think that there are multiple people that you could marry you know and like God works with our free will and that decision and, and whatever um so yeah I think that was comforting for me to hear and I actually heard it from first from Father Andy when he was saying like stop talking about soulmates um <laughs> life is not a hallmark movie yeah thank goodness you know <laughs> <laughs> so cheesy <laughs> That's so funny. I have a different opinion in that. I think there are soulmates, but of different kinds. Like it could be mother, daughter, um, granddaughter to grandmother. Ah. Like souls that really So like friendships. Yes, on Mm -hmm. a deep level, you know, father and son. Um, And then so it could be husband and wife or it could not, you know. That's interesting. And that, so so let me ask you a, a different question then. Have you in your life, maybe, maybe it wasn't, maybe it's not now, maybe it was in the past, but have you had like a best friend 
Like we all have lots of friends, but do you have like that one person that's like, we just click, we connect and. Yeah. Absolutely. Really? Mm-hmm. Since fifth grade. That's awesome. Yeah. I still? We still do. That's yeah. Really, and it's interesting cool. too, because she's actually an atheist. Well, not an atheist, but kind of uh, non-practicing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just connect on a level. Like we can share everything. She She knows... Yeah, she can kind of intuit what I'm thinking and feeling. I can do the same thing for her. Um, so it's really special, like those types of connections. Mm. I've had the same best friend since I was in like second or third grade. And um, he's sort of similar. I mean, he's he's a sort of non-practicing Catholic, but he's... <sighs> um, you know who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. about. Yeah, 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 yeah. my heart. No, I know. He's, but, he's, but he's a good man nonetheless, and I have faith he'll come back to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think it's good to have somebody, uh, you know, who you trust and who you can share things with and whom you, you know, who you, who can support you and whom you can support. And I found that in him. And I think that's important for people. And I think especially, it seems to me that especially men, especially older men have a very difficult time making deep relationships like that with other people mm. who, are, who are not their spouse or who are not members of their family. Yeah. And that just seems sad to me because you need somebody sort of outside of your family situation sometimes to bounce things off over, yeah. you know, to sort of commiserate with and so, or whatever. So, um, yeah. That's interesting. Do you have a best friend? I do now, but I, I didn't till college. I had a lot of friends growing up, but not not like one person that was just like we were super tight. I just partly was I moved around to a lot of schools and just had friends come in and out of my life for this period or that period. But yes. when I was in college, I found one guy that like we were really tight, and and now I have one as well, a really good friend. I had a similar thing. I do not have a childhood best friend. I would go in and out. I think of friendships and I remember in high school I certainly didn't and remember being like how do I not have a best friend you know like <laughs> this is a little sad and like going to lunch was always a little bit hard like uh who do I sit with today in our giant cafeteria which was the student center at Greenwich High School it's one square acre um, Are you but, serious? Yeah. yeah oh my gosh and, and it would be segregated by like different kinds of people um so yeah I had friends I always had friends and I was always on a sports team so I always hmm. had different people that were like I was seeing every day consistently, you know, for hours and whatever, but no best friend, no real friend group. Um, and then in, in college, I certainly formed much closer bonds, but I always, I've always like felt like I'm a floater between friend groups. I've never had that core that like, you know, grows up together and, and does everything. So even in college, I had my Frisbee friends, my architecture friends, my dorm friends, you know, and yeah. so it was all different groups and I'm very close to people in each group. And now what's fun is when I go back to visit, they all get together, you know, and mm. they know each other through me. Um, mm. So that makes me feel special. Yeah. But um, that is cool when your friends meet yeah. your other friends. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm like, you guys like each other. You know, you can just be friends, too. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. I think there can also be some similarities, similarities between close friendships and sort of dating relationships or marriages or even sort of vocation. Um, because I mean, sometimes like my, my best friend and I, you know, we've gone through periods in our lives where we, we hung out less often or we don't have all that much in common actually, as it turns out, but sometimes just deciding like this relationship is worth preserving and I like this person for who he or she is and doesn't actually matter that, you know, at one point in our lives, we had a lot more in common than we do now because we have a shared history together and that is like a good thing in and of itself. Um, so something mm -hmm. it can sort of be the same thing as like they say as marriages, as you, as you age, right? Like, you know, your marriage sort of comes and goes in the sense that you maybe in and out of love or like you know you are less attracted or whatever but like the cho choosing to maintain a relationship I think sometimes can just be a good exercise and it's like if you can do that with a friend you can maybe do that with a dating partner or with Jesus in terms of f religious vocations and stuff, and stuff like that yeah yeah having a history with someone really helps I Definitely. do have a best friend now oh guy. Awesome. 
And we've been friends for seven years. So going nice. strong. But I do <laughs> wonder if like one of us moved, would we stay friends? I don't know. Or we'll if, see. Or if one of you got married. I think we would still stay friends because we are pretty close. But then there's that third person in that relationship. Well, yeah, I guess know? it would yes. change. It would change. But we still have our bond, which is really around ultimate. But yeah, um, we also just get along and Once make each other laugh. Once you guys are in laugh. wheelchairs and nursing homes, <laughs> what will you talk about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the glory days, right? <laughs> Tell stories. But the cool thing is, I think we're all talking about it, is that like there's an opportunity to make friends at every stage of your life. You know, I've heard older people say, like my mom, like, I don't have any close friends. I'm never, I'm too old to make them. You know, it's, and you can't go in with that defeating attitude because I think the key is like being vulnerable, um, like opening yourself up. Obviously, no one is entitled to, you know, like you revealing your heart all at once or in full there has to be sort of like a trust that's built but like being vulnerable and being able to take off the masks um that I think we all wear to to show that like these are the things that like I'm not this perfect whatever because it's very easy to think that other people have it all together um but to kind of like be able to talk about your struggles and receive especially like in our catholic community I think it's so beautiful with the spiritual friendships and that's why I would I would encourage people to seek those out mm-hmm. um because there's a lot of, um, I think, healing that can come through, uh, you know, like being able to talk about things with friends. I know I've talked about a lot of things with Lauren and she's been a great friend to me. Um, just spiritually speaking, I think it helps you to get through things um, that, yeah, that are difficult. I think our culture doesn't support healthy friendships or healthy dating in large part because some of the structures that that led to friendships are no longer there. You mm-hmm. know, people used to join clubs and you know, whether it's like the Elks Club or Knights of Columbus or, you know, these kind of things. And as less and less people do that and join clubs, there's just more isolation, mm-hmm. less opportunity to meet people that you're going to be friends with and and also less opportunities to find spouses. Because they used to have like CYO. I don't know if you're familiar with CYO. It, it was called the Catholic Youth Organization. but it was, And a lot of people know it for their basketball leagues because they were really into like sports leagues. But they also had like dances and mixers and you know, things for high school kids and, and then young adults to get together and, you know, hang out with. But that's less and less. So you really have to seek it out. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, Netflix and all of these things make it super easy to just sit on your couch and, you know, spend time with yourself and yeah. um, isolate, which is really bad because if you think about it, we're made for community. Um, so made for communion uh, with the Trinity and with others. So. So now getting back to that commitment idea, why is it that young adults have trouble committing and how can you help a friend commit? Whether it's to marrying a certain person or to jumping into seminary or whatever, how can you help a friend to make a life commitment? Tough one. Yeah. And I think it goes in a lot of ways too, because sometimes it could be like, you just made me think this, there's a lot of people that are in really long um, lasting relationships that are going nowhere. Like they're not leading to marriage, but they're comfortable, right? So they just go on and on and on. And then those are the kinds of people that get married and then instantly divorced. Um, and especially if you're living with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Oh yeah, which is, you know, why bother, right? That, yeah, that's the situation. You know, but very bad. I don't know. I think uh, to me, it seems like we don't want to be challenged, you know? We just like the comfort. So once you find the comfort, you want to stick with it. You know, choosing to become a priest, a religious sister, that may be hard. Right. I may have to grow, which is like actually what we're all here for is like to grow and constantly become 
better versions of ourselves and serve others. So only good can come from it, but you have to get over that fear probably and anxiety yeah. and get out of your comfort zone. And marriage is hard. That's challenging. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that commitment. Yeah, that makes sense too. I mean, I've only dated like in relationships a few people, but when I considered like, wow, we're together now, so we're either going to get married or break up. Like both were very <laughs> scary to me at mm. the time, you know, because I was not ready for it. I don't know that our relationships were right. So maybe that was also playing a role in it, but really scary. Yeah. And and you are, you're taking a risk, you know, unfortunately, if you get married, it may not work out. I mean, we would hope like if you, um, you know, get married in the church and you bring God into your relationship and you're willing to give more, I guess, than you take, you know, but you, you don't know. It is still a risk. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if one reason that um, some people have a hard time committing to the priest or religious life is that it feels more permanent than marriage does because we have sort of as a society decided that marriage is really just a sort of more sticky version of dating. It's not really it's not permanent, right? It's just like harder to get out of, so to speak, because there's like mm. lawyers involved. And so then it's like, right, well, priesthood's forever. It's like, well, so, well, or you know, for the rest of your life. So, well, marriage is supposed to be for the rest of your life too, right? But I think yeah. because we've lost that sense of marriage, then the priest or religious life seems much more strange. So, well, how could you commit to something for your whole life? It's like, why aren't you married? Didn't you do that yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> or if you didn't, then that's a serious problem, you know. People would say to me when I became a priest, they're like, so, so you can't get married? It's like, well, you're getting married, which means that you can't get married to every other woman in the world. So we're kind of in the same boat. I mean, yeah. like you've given up sex with every other woman except for your wife. <laughs> I'm just giving up sex, period, you know. You're giving up just with one more woman than everybody else, right? Right, just, <laughs> just one more woman than everyone else in the world, if you do it right. Yeah, it's like the, I guess, loss of control or just not being able to know for sure, right? And so that that's scary in and of itself. I think for women, like when I was discerning, and granted, I am not called, so this is... So you say. No, I'm just Father. <laughs> <laughs> I am not called. Um, okay. <laughs> but when I was... Discernment over. <laughs> discernment is over. Um, but when I was discerning, I would say, like, you know, and, and this, it's it's totally normal to have fears about things, but especially for women religious, you know, of just the additional vows of um, poverty and obedience too. I was like, oh man, I can't, I can't be the architect of my life. I can't go for a run whenever, I, like it was stupid things, you know, like I can't go for a run. I can't eat necessarily like almond butter, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we laugh, but it's, you know, like these are, these were concerns in my head. Um, and so yes, I'm not called to it, but there's, there's that extra level of like, wow, I'm giving up complete control of, you know, of, essentially how I live my life. Well, that countercultural nature is one thing that does make the priesthood and religious life a little more scary because yeah. marriage is not quite countercultural. I mean, it's, you know, well, I mean, it's in, less and in less. In marriage, but... you have freedom to kind of like, I can probably go for a run if I ask my husband to watch these kids, you know, or, yeah. or what, you know, like there's, yeah. there. I think there is more freedom in marriage. Um, oh, well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of freedom in diocesan life, to be honest. That's true. That's true. I go I'm, for I'm, runs whenever I want. <laughs> I'm talking more of like, you know, religious life. Community yeah. life. Yeah, community yeah. life. That, that'd be, that, that's why I would not thrive in, yeah. in a community, I don't think. Yeah, and I mean, God puts desires on our hearts, so I think that's part of the discernment process of being aware of like, how did God make me and why, like, what gifts do I have and where are these to be used? And yeah. is that best used in community, religious life, priesthood, marriage, whatever? Um 
I just kind of think that the priesthood and religious life would look a lot less radical if it were being compared to an actual authentic Christian marriage as opposed to what we mm. have now. Very true. Because I, I mean, I, I get obviously, um, you know, a, a, a nun or a brother who's taken a vow of obedience and stability or, and poverty and whatnot has a lot less freedom. But I mean, you know, parents, especially of young kids, really can't do whatever they want whenever they want. And, yeah. if, you're, and if you're authentically living a sacrificial marriage to your spouse, then you won't do things you want to do. And in reality, I think probably the average diocesan priest, especially if you have a vicar, if you are a vicar, probably has a lot more freedom to do things like that on the edges than the average married man with kids. Because you don't yeah. have to think, well, it's not like every second of your day you have to think, well, somebody has to be here to watch the parish because you can leave the parish and it won't drown itself or like <laughs> starve to death for, for an hour or two. But, you know, your kid has to be you know, superintended at all times. So It is true. I look at what my sister goes through. She's got uh, two boys and a third on the way. And boy, they are total boys. Like they'll stick their fingers in light sockets yeah. if they could, you know. Yeah. They have to be, yeah, tabs kept on them at all times. So uh, I wish we could keep talking this because there's a lot more I'd love to, to talk about, but we are running out of time. And so therefore my challenge for you is this. If you are considering whatever vocation God is calling to you and you feel some fear, don't be afraid. Take that plunge. A lot of young adults indeed are afraid of the sacrifice, but whatever God calls you to, he gives you abundant joy. And if you're helping a friend to discern, whether it's to discern to marry this girl or that guy, or to discern priesthood or religious life, Continue to be there for them and continue them to encourage them to man up or woman up. Really take that, take that commitment seriously and to not be afraid. You know, know that it takes a little bit of faith to kind of step out there and just say, Lord, I don't know what the future of my life is going to hold, but I trust that you hold the future of my life. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time.